All right, welcome for another episode of Talk to Tatiana, and I'm excited to have Sharon with me today. Welcome, Sharon. Yes, thank you, Tatiana. It's great to be here. I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you. Absolutely. So Sharon, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do and um, what kind of floats your boat. Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, so my name is Sharon Hugic. Uh, and I am uh, a mom. Primarily, I have three kids. They are uh, ages 15, 13, and 11. And of course, like most moms, I'm very proud of them. They're fantastic. Um, and in addition to being their mom, I also work with women who freelance in digital marketing. And my passion is helping other women who, like us, have decided to be entrepreneurs and show them how they can build financially successful businesses. Um, my, my goal is to show every woman how they can land a $10,000 client if they're working in digital marketing. And I've been able to realize that. Uh, it took me a long time. And I would much rather see other women see success sooner than what I experienced. Um, I've been freelancing since 2009. And it took me almost 10 years to sort of crack the code on what I was doing. It was really a slog for a long time. I mean, financially, it was a lot of hours and not a lot of pay. And in 2018, I sort of had an aha moment when I realized uh, there is much more potential to generate real substantial revenue. And it was a different approach and a different tactic than I had been using before. And once I kind of cracked that code, it really created financial opportunity. And now I'm just very passionate about helping other women see the same results and achieve the same things that I have. Because ultimately, I just feel like, you know, all of us women, moms, we are challenged by having to do so many different things, whether it's, you know, some people are doing a nine to five, trying to, you know, freelance side hustle, raise kids, you know, juggle soccer practices. Some people have chosen to, you know, be a freelancer and an entrepreneur, but they still have to fold the laundry and make dinner every night. And, you know, it's just one of the complexities of being a woman in this field and being successful is, you know, you need to make your efforts and your energy profitable. We don't really have the luxury of spending 30 hours a week at $25 an hour. It's just not worth it. So I just delight in the fact that I have taken that journey and have learned how to be able to help other women do that too. And it's a great joy of mine. I just find just, you know, we want to help. I want to help other women have success. So that's kind of my passion. Awesome. Yeah. And how did you how did you get started? I mean, we connected initially because I was looking for a key study of someone who's worked in corporate, kind of someone who went the traditional route, someone who I don't know whether it's parents or society or school or all of it together kind of told uh, you have to go to college, you have to get a job, you have to, you know, build a career or whatever. Yeah. Um, so kind of talk about your journey on that. Yeah. Honestly, I was I you know, I tended to be a very traditional person. I um, grew up in the suburbs of New York City. I went to a very, you know, lovely and beautiful public high school in Rockland County, New York. I went to an Ivy League school. I, you know, had every privilege and opportunity that that represented. I graduated and I just, you know, I followed the path to corporate America. I worked for a corporate, uh, really successful pharmaceutical company. I had great 
um, you know, I was very good at it. <laughs> I was in sales and marketing and I led teams of people and and I really enjoyed that experience greatly. And I was there for about 15 years. And during that time, um, you know, I had financial success. I had respect. I was a leader. I was an executive. I was doing things that I really enjoyed. And in the background of all of that, I was also trying to start a family. And my husband and I, you know, for many years, were trying to get pregnant. And we had the challenges that come with infertility. And, you know, finally, there was that morning when we woke up and we saw that, you know, pregnancy stick and it had two little lines on it. And it's just like everything sort of shifted for me. Like, oh, my gosh, like this, this is this is now my priority. And, you know, in some ways I had the luxury of time because I had 15 years as a single woman, as a sing, you know, as a, as a couple where I wasn't trying to juggle all of it. And I was now faced with this decision. Like I want, I want all of it. I want to be his mom at home, taking him to preschool or taking him to soccer practice. I don't want to be booking flights across the country or being, um, you know, kind of someone else controlling my schedule. And that was in 2009. And honestly, nobody else, I didn't know anybody else that was working from home. I never met another woman who was freelancing. I mean, mommy bloggers were really big at the time, if you remember, (laughs) um, you know, and, and I like, okay, well, maybe this is how you do it. Like, I just didn't know any better, um, but I wanted to figure it out. I was just really motivated to take a very strong mind. I had a lot of talents. I knew I was could be successful. I just didn't know how. And I set out to figure that, to kind of unlock it. And again, I, I mean, it was hard. It, nobody really showed me how to do it. And there probably were people doing it. I just didn't know them. I started out as a web developer. I pretty much Googled it. (laughs) Which is so insane when you think about it. But I just, I spent, you know, very, very, very late nights. Um, My first client paid me $35. Literally. And I was thrilled. Um, I'm happy to say my most recent client paid me $36,000. So I've made a pretty good improvement in terms of my skill set and my ability to generate revenue. Um, But I was very motivated. And then, you know, you just basically hustle it and think about it and creativity and entrepreneurship requires us, you know, you never stop learning. You always stop. You always are looking for ways to strengthen it. You know, I love learning. I love to read. I love to talk to people. I love to just keep keep making my skills stronger. Yeah. So um, I very traditional for the first half of my life. I was very much the sort of straight and narrow. Um, my girlfriend now refers to me as a badass rebel because I just sort of gave up on that. Like, I don't want somebody else to tell me when I get to take a vacation. I don't want to have somebody else to tell me that this is where, you know, I live because I have this job. I just, to me, that's, that's too confining for the life I really genuinely love and want to keep living. So yeah, sorry, badass <laughs> rebel. I guess that's me, which is really funny because I'm like a homeschooling, you know, church going mom. I, I don't necessarily fit the, I don't have a motorcycle or anything, but uh, <laughs> I really like to have control over my day and my time and freelancing and, and doing what I do allows me to have that. It's awesome. 
Awesome. And uh, kind of uh, taking you back to when, when you did make that decision, did you um, actually le- leave your job when you got pregnant or how was that? I was really fortunate in the fact that the company kind of providentially was going through a restructuring and they announced the month before I got pregnant that they were basically saying, you know, the sales force that I was leading is going to be dissolved. So you have an opportunity to find another position in the company. But if you don't, you know, we'll give you a package. And the next month I got pregnant, literally Tatiana, I'd been trying to get pregnant for years, like infertility and every intervention known to man at the time I was trying. And then that month, you know, literally I retired um, on, it was a leap year. So I retired from that job uh, February 29th and my son was born March 29th. So I just basically took their offer, walked with it. And it was a really lovely parachute. I mean, obviously to start as a new mom, trying to figure out how to do a job and still have some income coming in was really a luxury. Most people don't have that. Most of the women I work with now are either, you know, trying to work their nine to five and launch their business, which is just challenging or um, have they, you know, have chosen to be home with their kids and now are, you know, trying to build up a business, um, both of which are really challenging. I mean, it's it's a tricky thing to do both. And my my ability to help them get there faster sort of softens that softens that blow a little bit. So you didn't have anything like burnouts necessarily at, at, the, at your job or corporate job, right? You, it was more of a natural kind of transition, kind of accidental almost. Uh, yeah, accidental, providential, however you would want to describe it. I think the burnout was I didn't see a, a way that I was going to be able to do both jobs with excellence. And I know there are women who do it. I mean, who are outstanding moms and outstanding executives and put their heart and soul into everything. I just looked at it. And I'm like, I can't, I don't know that I could be, give this new child who I have been, you know, desperately hoping for everything I can give him while also giving that same passion and energy to the team of people that I was leading it. And I just had to choose like, where is my first priority going to be? And I don't in any way, undermine or or criticize other people who make a different choice. I mean, I was making 80% of our income. So my husband is a conservationist. I mean, he doesn't, wasn't. So for our family, it was a sacrifice for me to step away from that. And I would do it again in a heartbeat because that's just kind of, that was where our, you know, you look at your list of priorities, which one is it? And that was, you know, this new baby that was coming was, so it wasn't so much a burnout. It was like my priority shifted and I wanted to be excellent at that and give it all my attention. And, you know, that's, everybody has to make those choices. I mean, we are all juggling lots of things, but something always, you can't have three priorities. That's sort of, it's a contradiction. Like you, a priority literally means the pinnacle, like the one that's at the top. Yeah. And as much as I wear lots of hats, that one had to, I chose to put that one at the top. I totally understand how you feel because I made the same similar choice. Yeah. Um, and I think, and I've actually read a book maybe four or five years ago, and the book was called um, The One Thing. The author. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like what's essential? Um, the author talks about the fact that pl- priority is singular. It's not plural. 
Uh, and I agree with that. I think that there's one priority. Um, and for me, it certainly has been, I guess, the, the reason behind everything. And I, you know, I kind of, and, and this, I'm not, this, I don't want this to come as a kind of a judgment or anything uh, to, to anybody else. Uh, but I don't think, and, I, and I've never met women who have a full-time job as an executive and thrive and thrive as a mother and actually raise their own kids. Meaning maybe they have help. There's nothing wrong with that, but actually being there, I don't think it's just possible um, to be honest. Yeah. And I, and I think it does, it just kind of comes down to, you know, we only have so much energy and it's not to say that you and I can't do other things with excellence, but when push comes to shove, I can't, I'm going to have to choose like which one outranks the other. Push came to shove. If I was saying, hey, I need you to be in, my company was saying, I need you to be in San Diego for the next two weeks to launch this product. My first priority would be like, I have this child. And, you know, and I think, I think honestly, I don't know if I would have had the confidence to make that decision when I was 25. I had a real luxury of being single-minded about my business career for a long time. And then it sort of naturally redirected towards my family. And I will say that doesn't go away just because now I've chosen not to be an executive with a core. I mean, I still have to make that choice as a freelancer and as an entrepreneur regularly. Like where does my time first get prioritized? And that's just, right. That's just life. I mean, there's no way around it. <laughs> Almost yeah. on a daily basis. You're like, I have to choose what's the most important thing to do today. Um, yet at the same time, like I have remarkable children. I mean, that little boy who was born is now 15 and I look at that and I wouldn't trade a moment of the last 15 years. I mean, there's just so much good that came out of that decision. And, you know, he's, uh, I mean, all, I have three children. Each one is just an amazing, um, delightful human being. And I'm so grateful that I had this chance to one, be, to give that them that priority and to make really good money in this entrepreneurial gig that we do. It's, it's, uh, Mary Oliver has a poem, this one wild and precious life. And it's basically charging us like, you have one, what are you going to do with it? Like, how are you going to spend this one wild and precious life? It's powerful. It's hard. It's yeah. worth it though. <laughs> you know, I've actually met this guy um, once at a playground. So uh, I I quit my job um, and I knew that I would go back to being free, <laughs> liberated accountant, as I was called <laughs> by somebody. Uh, I knew that uh, because, you know, before I started a full-time CPA firm, you need, you need to get that experience to get the license. Oh, yeah. Um, so before I started it, I was running for three years, I've been running my own bookkeeping business. Yeah. And um, so I kind of already, and I've been going to school. So I was running my schedule. Like, like it was, it was crazy. I was taking five classes and five businesses and stuff like that. But, you know, when I went to, to work for this company, it was a small farm in New York city, a fairly small farm, 25 people, seven partners. Um, I mean, I loved it in the beginning, six months, you know, the typical honeymoon uh, period, everybody loved me. I loved everything and yeah. everybody. But after six months, I realized that 
I will eventually quit and uh-huh. do my own thing. And I did, I did when I got pregnant and I, yeah. um, and I got pregnant right before tax season. So it was in late December. Uh, so you're nauseous and exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I didn't want my child to be, to suffer the, the stress of tax season because, you know, uh-huh. you had certain requirements. So I kind of gave my notice in late December and I said, I'll be there to support them as a freelancer, but I'm not going to be there full time. And, yeah. and that worked really well for them. It worked really well for me. And then after that, um, I started my own business and, you know, it was hard financially for, for us for some time because yeah. um, I didn't have a certain salary. We, I was growing my business, but, but it all, all worked out in the end. And right. One of the reasons that um, I kind of, um, in 2009, I went through a transformation where I hired a coach. I um, went through a specific tax planning training, which is proactive tax reduction, which is only about 2,000 people in the country do that. Wow. Um, and within three years of that, I quadrupled my income while reducing the client count from about 120 to about 40 something. That's fantastic. And a part of that was also because I was making good money that we could barely survive. Like we were paying bills, but at the same time, um, and the reason I'm telling you this is because I think there are people listening who, for whom it's good information and I haven't shared this part before, but um, I was making a certain amount that was barely paying our bills. Like we were not getting into debt, but at the same, but at the same time, then um, I was working a lot and usually I would use the summer, like we would not sign up kids for like a uh, camp in the summer when sure. they were little. Yeah. Uh, Cause it was stressful and they were little and I really used that time to reconnect with them. Um, and this one summer, you know, I would July and August, I would schedule something and the client would call, when are you free? And I would look at my calendar and it's totally free, right? I don't have any specific commitments but at the same time, the work needs to be done. The books need to be updated. The tax returns need to be finished up. And and I would schedule these people on like, I would have a, one or two meetings a day, all five days a week. And so I couldn't take the kids to like uh, a trip to the park or to the farm or whatever. And huh. it was really frustrating for me. And I really felt like I lost that summer with them. Hmm. And that's kind of what pushed me into going to coaching and I needed to change something and I'm yeah. happy that I did, but it was also because I had very clearly had my priority of the family and yeah. family is number one. Yes. Sometimes very rarely do I work the weekend. Yeah. Um, like this past weekend I worked because um, I had gestalt therapy. Um, I'm studying psychology. I'm a crazy uh, learning nut, but <laughs> But, uh, but that's an exception. Generally yeah. my weekends and my nights are off limits. Uh, yeah. Clients yeah. or calls and I'm okay saying no to business f- for that reason. Yeah. Well, I think but that's I- really interesting. You made so many, you know, like comments in there that like really resonate with me. Cause you were talking about like you were, you were working really hard and, and you had this external kind of force controlling your time and your schedule Um, But there's also sometimes clients, like just the fact that there's only so much money that one specific client is either willing to pay you because you're commoditized with a service of, you know, X, I can get X here and X minus 10 there. So I'll go, you know, with that one. Ultimately, what we're hoping to do and the way I work with women predominantly is like help them find an audience where their, their strengths and their talents and their ability to resonate with them, differentiates them from everybody else. So then they can really start adding zeros 
to their prices. Like your ability to both be an accountant and a bookkeeper and coach other people for their businesses is like your swirl. It's like you go to the ice cream shop, right? And you say, I want this combination of flavors that's uniquely you. The beautiful thing is women have that. They're always multitasking. They're always multi-passionate. Combining, you know, their interests maybe in, like in my case, it was web development combined with my marketing expertise and my ability to teach and train and coach creates my unique ability to help other women who desire that. Like I understand the tech, the marketing, and I'm a, you know, really strong and and kind of passionate coach to help people do that. And that's where the transformation happens is that you take what's uniquely you and then you find the person who is like, that's ex- that brings so much more value than just the tool, right? Yeah. You're not just a bookkeeper anymore. You're kind of opening up opportunities for somebody who it wants that more than they want their taxes done or more than their accounts reconciled or whatever it might be. And I think yeah. it's one of the reasons why I work only with women is because I feel like there's just such beauty in finding that piece of what's uniquely, specifically Sharon Hugic that gives my talents and interests a voice to be able to connect with people. And honestly, in a corporate culture, you're always you can't you can't really express all that stuff, right? Because you have someone else's mission, someone else's objective, someone else's goals. You know, you get your sales quotas or your you know. You, you don't necessarily have the freedom to just say, hey, this is me. Or if you do, you know, you risk HR, you know, what did you mean when you said, you know? So there's just a lot of, um, I think, joy and passion that comes out of having that freedom. Like you talked about, like, I want this, t- I want to prioritize this time with my children. I want to take control over my schedule. And then compounding it with what is uniquely your you know, passions, finding them. And I uh, yeah. love that. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, I've never worked uh, necessarily for corporate America. And so that's why I don't really have any experience with that. Um, and that's why I was interested in learning kind of how your experience worked out. And, um, and I found a lot of um, interesting ideas. So sometimes things work out um, better than you would ever expect. I think. Yeah, I I'm a testimony to that. You know, I can't I can't say that corporate America. I had a lot of success in corporate America. I think there were plenty of every every job has its challenges. Probably the challenges that I faced most were you know tended to be, you know, employ you know bosses, managers, up levels. I think they really impact um, people. I had the good fortune of just having um, a great team and I worked with them a lot and I advanced really quickly. So my experience in corporate wasn't as bad as probably other people's experiences. And it still didn't give me what I wanted. I mean, financially it, it did. I Financially it was you know, it was very nice to get a check at the end of every month and be like, oh, this is great. <laughs> and I'm more proud of the money I'm making now because I know I earned it. Like, there's no question that I I built this. I I have created this, you know, success um, and failure too. I mean, I you, not all of it works. Like, but there's, you know, that sort of sense of like, I don't know, maybe it's like a sense of like a frontiersman, like I, I'm facing these challenges. I have to figure out this problem. I have to be able to tap in to the resources and find the, find the coach or find the tool or whatever it might be. 
Um, it's really challenging. And I, I think it's particularly challenges for people who are smart and you want to be challenged, right? You thrive on problem solving. I love that part of my, of my entrepreneur journey. Like, I don't know how to do this. Yeah. It's stressful. <laughs> I mean, like, don't, I mean, you sort of have to get comfortable with being like, I'm uncomfortable. I don't know what I'm doing. And actually this week, probably the thing I'm learning more than anything is like, I have to be comfortable with the fact that I'm, there will be mistakes. There will be things that didn't go well and they're very public. You know, do you feel that way sometimes? Like you, I, I like sent out an email and there, every link in it was a, was a 404. Every link broke. And I was like, oh my gosh, like how did I miss that? But the reality is I'm human. I was tired. I sent it out. I should have checked it. And I, I was able to just basically own it the next morning and be like, I'm sorry guys, none of, here's a link that works. And I cannot pretend that I have everything figured out. And yeah, do it anyway. That's just how this game is played. You just you don't unfortunately hold you back. You just do it anyway. I think unfortunately, uh, we all make mistakes. I mean, I wish as a perfectionist, recovering perfectionist, really, <laughs> um, you have to learn to live with that. Um, yeah. Do your best, do your absolute best and not try. I hate the word try because it doesn't really mean anything, mm. but always give it you know, always commit to excellence, always give it a hundred percent. And if you've done everything that you could do, it's okay. If you made yeah. a mistake, yeah. sometimes, you know, is for accountants, mistake can be money costly, right? Yeah. So um, yeah. I had a friend who um, did a form incorrectly. One form a couple of years ago, cost a client over four years, about a million two into additional Ooh. tax. Ouch. But the but the but the good thing is that the client is selling that business and they're getting forty something million um, for it and for them a million too it's the tax that was due anyway it's not like <laughs> you know they 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 are paying something they're not supposed to be paying it's just you know whatever yeah. but but the accountant she was she was worried because she only had a million coverage on her malpractice insurance you know things oh like my that. Gosh. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, not especially accountants. I mean, that's funny that you describe yourself as a recovering perfectionist. It's probably like a requirement to be an accountant is like you have to be a perfectionist. I, yes. I've just learned, and I say this a lot, like the fastest way to find a leak is to turn on the water. And when you're an entrepreneur, and especially if you don't have a team, and a lot of the women I work with are solopreneurs. They are out there starting their business and they haven't hired a V yet and VA yet and they haven't they don't have you know subcontractor subcontractors that they work with consistently. And so they're being, you know, they're being asked to do a lot of different things. And I love to show people like, hey, there's value in creating teams to support you and not and and bring in and people who will you know buttress you up. But when they first start working with me, you basically have to be comfortable with the fact that you're going to make a mistake. And the fastest way to find those mistakes is action. Like if you are consumed with having it perfect, whether it's your website or your offer or your, you know, proposal template, or like you have to master, you know, sales funnels or master Facebook ads, you're never going to get started. And you're going to make a mistake and then you'll be like, okay, I made a mistake. I will, you know, uh, now I know better next time. Yeah. You just have action cures fear, right? And it's very easy to get overwhelmed, I find, 
the people who um, take action, even if it's imperfect, are going to move ahead faster, sooner, more profitably than if you're paralyzed by the idea that it's not done yet. It's not perfect yet. My, um, you know, I don't have a software. I don't have a website that looks exactly the way I want it to or anything. Those can be just real distractions to getting paid, <laughs> landing clients, you know, making, increasing your prices. My goal is $10,000 clients for every single person who I work with and people who take action and implement my coaching are the ones who get there the fastest. Yeah, and absolutely. people who overthink and worry and kind of put up barriers between those actions. It's frustrating, but it's, it is longer and slower and harder. So where I love is I hold you accountable. Like, I'll be like, okay, we talked. This was the agreement. You said you were going to reach out to these four people. Where, you know, and I don't know about you, but I, that helps me a lot. And I see it for the women I coach, that helps them a lot. Just basically somebody saying like, this is the plan. Let, let's stick with it. Let's implement it. I think that's one of the best parts about coaching to help um, just create some of that external structure. I mean, corporate America does that well. Entrepreneurship probably needs more of that. So, um, yeah, that's that's my take on it. You find leaks faster if you turn on the water. <laughs> what if you could go back in time and change one thing? What would that be? Oh, gosh, I know this one. For <laughs> sure. um, I think because I started out as a freelancer primarily like I want to try and figure out how to make money. I allowed myself for too long to try and and like conserve my resources. And I didn't invest in coaching, training. I pretty much was like the queen of like, I'm going to Google this or YouTube this or find a hack or whatever. And and I, mean, I was just sharing this the other day with, the, um, with my, my team. Like I literally can remember a time in like 2015 where I was like hemming and hawing and I was needed help. And I almost joined like a really awesome membership. It was like 50 bucks a month. And it took me like days to be like, should I do it? Would I, would this make sense? Like, and I, I, I mean, I would go to like the website and like think about it and chicken out. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> and then of course, you I mean, you know what happened. I invested in that program. Within minutes, I like was like, oh my gosh, there's so much help here. Look at all these people who like they solve these problems. Um, I mean, and in web development, which is where I started, like it's it's a slog. It's a hat, you know, you're trying to fix layouts and applications and all these things. And also I had this like people just share code with me, and I was like, <laughs> for $47 a month, I saved like 10 hours of time every single <laughs> month. And I was like, man, if only I could go back and rewind the clock six years before that, when I first started to be like, this is going to work, like invest in your business while it's young, because it always is profitable for me. I spend a lot of money now receiving coaching to be, be a better coach for the women who work with me. I invest in that now because everything about that investment is is amplified. I know more. I'm more confident. I have somebody helping me problem solve. I have, helping, I have someone holding me accountable. It all always 
produces more financial reward and it just strengthens my whole business. So the best thing I would say, if you're listening to this right now and you're like, I don't know, would working with Tatiana make sense financially? The answer is <laughs> hell yeah. Or if you're thinking, oh, Sharon, she really seems to know what she's talking about. You're right. And it really is worthwhile to invest in help because it just, everything you do is easier. It saves time and it makes you more money which is what we're trying to do. I don't know. Yeah. So, you know, I was there. So I kind of feel like I get that hesitation to like not spend money because you're trying to earn money, right? You're like, I can't invest money in this because I'm trying to make money. And it's just like that upside down equation of like when you invest in something, you know, healthy things grow and change and evolve. And having that guidance to make sure you're doing that in the most profitable way is invaluable. That's that's what I would say to you. So, yeah, you can totally feel strongly about that one. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I think the word coach has, has been slightly overused and kind of became a cliche, but honestly, I think most people don't even know what coaching means. Hmm. And most people think that a coaching is when a person tells you what to do, which actually isn't totally true. The actual word coach, according to the International Coaching Federation, is you know, when you listen, reflect and ask questions, it's not, yeah. it's client using their own resource to actually change whatever it is. And the problem yeah. is that when you work with businesses and people who are trying to build their business, they sometimes don't have that resource of their own. And sometimes you need to tell them what to do. And which is why what I do, what I call what I do coaching, coaching advisory, because sometimes I tell you what to do. And sometimes I make you take responsibility for, for doing yeah. that. Yeah. But I think I would have never been where I am if I hadn't invested in myself. And it really, honestly, the way I look at it is if it, like, if there's anybody in this world worth betting on, it's me. Yeah. I know that I'm my best bet. And, there, and so does everybody, everybody else. But somehow people forget that they yeah. are their own best investment. Yeah. Well, and I, I'll say there's two things in addition to that is like sometimes you need to feel the pinch to be like, I am investing. This is not coming easy. I am I am putting hard-earned money into something because then you raise your game. Like you are going to get every penny's worth of value out of that. Like when people hire me to coach them, they're committing financial resources to it because they, and then I, they, I want them to be like, ah, hell yeah, I'm getting my money back. But there's also the truth of the matter is, um, it's really hard to be objective about your own business. Yes. There's a, a really fantastic Southern idiom that I love. It's hard to read the label when you're inside the bottle. If, if it's your business, you're too close to it, right? I mean, I can't tell you how many times clients have been like, oh my gosh, Sharon, it's been sitting right in front of me the whole time. And I never, I never saw it. And it's just human. It's hard to see anything that you're doing objectively. But when another person comes in and starts like sort of asking those smart coaching, open-ended questions, it's like the scales fall away from your eyes, right? You're like, I can. Oh, oh, here it is sitting right in front of me. Here's my opportunity. Here's my niche. Here's the way I can change my, my sales. Here's the way I can refine my offer, amplify what I've been doing. Here's how I can create a system that makes my offer scalable. All these core things, it just, you see them better 
when you're working with somebody else. I love that. It's hard to see the la- it's hard to read the label when you're inside the bottle because yeah, we're just we're too close. We're I love it. Yeah. I absolutely love it. Um <laughs> use it. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That's awesome. Thanks so much for sharing. And how do you work with clients now? Kind of talk a little bit about what the setup is. Is it one-on-one? Is it a group? Who's the right kind of, who's the perfect candidate, kind of where they are in their journey? Yeah. And Yeah, great question. I, I So I mentioned I work exclusively with women who freelance in digital marketing. And digital marketing is a big ecosystem, as, as you well know. Sometimes it's women who uh, are ads managers and they're running paid ads, Facebook, Instagram, Google. Sometimes it's copywriters, uh, SEO specialists. Sometimes it's social media specialists. And like my background is in web development. And all of them are kind of coming into digital marketing from a specific angle most people first start working with me because they want to make more money and they've been freelancing and you kind of get stuck in this like high demand, like low paying client where someone's like, Hey, my budget's only $500, but I want you to build the Chrysler building for me. (laughs) (laughs) No, like, and breaking out of that, like, kind of low pay, cheap mindset is hard for women who have not ever sort of had success yet. So many people come to me in that place and they're like, I don't know how to do it. So um, they will, my kind of my first place and a lot of people start working with me is a uh, program that I call Convert with Confidence. And it's basically training on what digital marketing is and like the core backbone, which is sales funnels, high converting landing pages, how to develop for businesses the, the sales and lead generating engines that drive their websites, drive their profitability. And it's not just the mechanics of how to do it, but it's also the the idea that that skill set is incredibly valuable in terms of helping businesses solve bigger problems. And the bigger problem that you solve for a business, the more valuable it is for them. Therefore, the more you get paid for it. So it's sort of starting to equip women with the tools on how to amplify what they're doing and take it up to the next level. And once they have that as a baseline, my next level of coaching is basically, I want every client you get to be paying you $10,000. So I call that my $10,000 coaching cohort. That's a group training program where we are looking at niching and, um, and nailing that for you and your unique swirl, mastering the mindset that a lot of women bring to price to perceive value on how they're positioning their offer in order to be able to sort of break through getting ditching those low paying clients and then really like, you know, solution based selling, like do not sell the tool, sell the problem that you're solving. And it is amazing to watch these transformations that happen for women in this group setting. It's really supportive. It's a fantastic community of of other women who are trying to accomplish the same things. Now, for people who have more specialized situations or further down that I also do one-on-one coaching, that is a that's a rare thing for me though, because obviously I only have so much time and it is a it's a premium offer. I I prioritize that, but it is an investment that people have to be willing to make in their business. And then it's really taking them from how do I scale this? How do I take this success that I'm having and then break it to, you know, on a much larger ability? A lot of that comes down to systems and automations and, and you know, using um, the internet and the tools that we have to just be able to serve more people 
And um, I've had a lot of success with that. And I help other women do that too. So no matter really where you are, if you're a woman freelancing in digital marketing, whether you're starting, whether you're ready to sort of break through and start gaining high paying clients, or if you're ready to scale, um, I have opportunities to work with you. I would love you to reach out um, SharonHugic.com. Yeah, I have a special, uh, if you want to learn more about digital marketing, if you go to SharonHugic.com forward slash Tatiana, I have something special for you there. And I'm sure Tatiana will link my my website down below because Hugic is a terrible last name to easily spell. <laughs> Sharon and then H-U-J-I-K.com. Yeah, awesome. I'll thank my husband for that one. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Thanks so much, Sharon, for being a great guest. I've made some notes and uh, also came up with the title for this episode, which is that uh, Southern expression that you mentioned. I love it. I think it's it's really, um, it really shows the essence of being coached, being advised, kind of being supported. Yeah. Um, because you're right. You can't really read the label when you're inside. Um, and yeah. And that's just the nature of a business. We don't, you know, a lot of people think that they know it all. And I've certainly been there. Um, but I think that's the losing mindset. When you think from the moment you think you know it all, you will be proven wrong one yeah. way or another. I actually think if you feel that way right now, you're not, you're not being stretched enough. Like I have learned in the last 15 years of freelancing that if I'm not uncomfortable, something's wrong. Like I want to stay uncomfortable because then I know that my business is growing and I know I'm stretching myself. And that is really hard to stay that uncomfortable. And it's where you want to be to, to healthy things grow and growing things hurt. <laughs> like you look at your teenagers, their legs are aching and their shoulders are because they're growing. A business has to hurt. It has to be, you have to be uncomfortable in order to know that you're stretching and that's good. It's hard. And that's good. Well, thanks so much, Sharon, for being a great guest. I've learned, I've learned a lot, and I hope that listeners did too. Thanks again, and uh, and we hope to have you again um, on this podcast. I would love it. So it'd be great. All right, um, for everybody who's listening, this episode will also air on video on my YouTube channel. So check it out, and then I'll see you next week for another episode of Talks with Tatiana.